it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome into the CHGO White Sox Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome in to Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is the full CHGO White Sox crew. Got Vinny Duber. Follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Has a brand new post up at allchgo.com with more Justin Gershley comments uh, following off of our little Colson Montgomery talk yesterday. A little Oscar Colas love in there as well. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at EcknerWall23. He's our CHGO community leader. being produced today by Kevin Wells. What's up, Kevin? What's going on, guys? Glad to be back. Are you talking into the mic in front of your face or the mic that's around your face? The gaming headset mic. Okay, it yeah. looks like you have two mics in front of your face. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. This one's this one's back here now, but the, the gaming headset's a little bit cleaner. Sounds a little bit better quality on the recording. Looks like so. a power play with the two mics. Um, appreciate Jordan <laughs> Gilmore saying uh, the best Sox podcast. Uh, we, we try to do our best. Uh, we're continuing our player previews, and I do apologize to the Romy Hive. Uh, we did have one person person in specifically that was upset that we waited 55 minutes to get into our Romy Gonzalez preview and then I think we only talked about him for five minutes that's that's on me that's not much of a hive that's that's all person (laughs) okay the queen (laughs) the the hive's developing Uh, you you know uh, shout out to I think it was uh uh Matt Weiss um uh, who, who you know made that comment specifically uh it's on me. I, no. I, I scheduled the, the, the rundown, the, the podcast. I, I lead the direction. I, I went I went to it too late. It's on Romy for not being <laughs> a better player. Now, if he's a better player this year, next year when we have our preview, I guarantee you he'll have more than five minutes. Well, I, I just don't want to dedicate too much time to him because I, I don't know if he's going to win the job. I think that was the thing that I think we didn't hammer home enough is if Romy Gonzalez has a bad spring training, and yes, he had a 2020 season uh, in the minor leagues at, at one point, but if he has a bad uh, spring training, it's possible that if Lenin Sosa with a good spring training impresses enough folks and he gets that job. It could be Hanser Alberto, who's a former major leaguer who impresses, has a spring training, knows what the work is like to prepare for that, and comes out and impresses. Could be Eric Gonzalez, same thing, same reasons. Uh, he's got some interesting outlying uh, exit velocity stuff on StatCast. Ooh, uh, Eric Gonzalez. Oh, could boy. I, could I interest you? Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. But, but I don't know if it's guaranteed that Romy Gonzalez, even though he's in the White Sox YouTube uh, page, haven't we frequently uh, featured with Mike Tozar uh, in his backyard? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's guaranteed for that job. I don't think he is, but I'm sure he's going to do his damnedest to win that job outright. And you forgot the legend. Of course, uh, the... the yeah, what 
ridiculous, Sean. Come on now. He could start at second base. He started a couple playoff games at second base. So the legend's still out there. But I would put my money on Romy Gonzalez starting. That's all we've been hearing. That's all the pictures we've been seeing from their previews on their websites, on their on their Twitter feed. On their Twitter feed. They've been featuring Romy Gonzalez prominently. And, yeah, working with Mike Tozar and Castro down there in Miami might be a thing. But I think they're telling us, hey, it's Oscar Colas, it's Romy Gonzalez. What you've uh, yet to mention, Sean, is that it could be someone who currently is not employed by the Chicago White Sox as well. Could Um, be the field. Man, you 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 listed over all those uh, you listed all those guys that uh, are the candidates right now, and no offense to any of them, they could have a monster spring and they could have a monster year. You gotta you gotta have, uh, state that that possibility exists, but does not seem like a very high bar to clear uh, to quote unquote impress or or do enough to win that job right now. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. It could be one of the uh, big storylines of the spring. We'll see. I mean, I mean, right now. I think the bigger storyline would be fifth starter, just what happens with that entire situation. I, I think that's probably the biggest storyline well, for the, the Sox. I mean, in terms of roster spots, maybe, sure. you know. But I think the biggest storyline is is Pedro Grafal and, and what, the new, what the new coaching staff has done this offseason to get these guys back to where they were supposed to be um, after a very disappointing year last year. I don't know. I mean, I think that's putting a little bit too much into managers. I mean, we've always talked about how much managers don't matter. I think that... I don't disagree with you, but we've seen where the White Sox have uh, put their priorities this winter. Mm-hmm. Their biggest move this winter, which is strange to say, considering one of the moves they made was the biggest free agent signing they've ever made uh, from a money standpoint. Um, their biggest move was to bring in a new coaching staff to get a core of players, uh, an entire team full of players, back up from falling down last year. I mean, we're going we're gonna to talk about one guy today and Tim Anderson, but there's a whole list of guys who had abysmal seasons last year, and instead of doing big change, which there were a few, you know, a significant number of fans wanted to see not not necessarily blow it all up, but, you know, make a hard trade and bring in new starters and new blood all over the place. The White Sox said, no, we believe in this core, and the, re- the way we're going to get that core back to where we think they should be right now is by bringing in a new manager and a new coaching staff to get them there. Well, and funnily enough, uh, is that even a word, funnily? Sure. Okay, sure. Yeah. We can make it up. Uh, it's a podcast. Uh, podcasts are made up. I mean, this wasn't a thing back in 2000, right? I mean, you know, the iPod invented yeah, podcasts. Probably right? not on YouTube. Um, but, like... With the whole new manager stuff and that being their biggest move, as you said, like the guy that we're talking about t- uh, today, Tim Anderson, doesn't really seem to be, you know, getting too much help from the White Sox organization this offseason. We're, I'm going to go into what he's been doing, but like it, it doesn't seem like, you know, we see all the the videos of Luis Robert, Oscar Colas, and obviously that's them being down in Florida. Yeah, those guys live by the coaching staff. A- yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> but like, you know, Ethan Katz is making house calls to Marietta, yeah, Georgia, is, yeah. or wherever. Not Marietta. That's, I think that's where Swanson is from, uh, Milton, uh, to go see Dylan Cease. Like, I, 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 I don't know if that is their biggest move. I would still say it's Benintendi because I think the talent is what wins at the end of the day. And, and the fact that you went out and spent a franchise record, I would say that's a bigger move than – then Pedro, and along the same lines, I thought Clevenger was a bigger move, and that's why I would say that that's the biggest storyline going into spring training is because, you know, that was – you had two moves basically this offseason, and one is now completely backfired in your face. You're talking, though, about what what you think. Yeah, no, I'm giving I'm talking my about what the White Sox think. Okay. I think the, the 
you can tell where they put their eggs, right? I mean, we've been talking all year, uh, you know, ooh, uh, uh, the volume of moves that we expected on the player acquisition side was not there necessarily. They went ahead and decided we're going to go with internal guys at second base and right field, at least to this point, if there's nothing more to come over the course of the spring. They, they put their eggs in the basket of the roster that already existed for, the, for the very much the most part. And there was so much that needed to get better from the end of last year till now or, and certainly till opening day. And what did they do to, to fix what was wrong? They went out and they hired a coaching staff that they think is going to fix these guys. And maybe these guys don't need to be fixed. Maybe they just all had terrible seasons at the same time and it's a ridiculous is, coincidence. Health, yeah, maybe you know? health is most but, important. But I think what the White Sox think is, hey, that core of players is still the guys that can get it done. But if we're going to make the giant improvement that they obviously needed to make from, from early October to late March, it's not going to come via just adding one guy in left field or one guy at the back end of the starting rotation. It's going to have to come from the new infrastructure that they've put in place in terms of the coaching staff to get that team, to get these players back to where they need to be because they didn't go out and get a new shortstop, even though Tim Anderson had a down year. They didn't go out and get a new catcher because Yasmani Grandal had a bad year, a new third baseman because Yohan Moncada had a bad year. All those guys are still there, and they are going to be extraordinarily counted on to get this team where everybody thinks that it should be. How are those guys going to get back to where they were supposed to be? The White Sox say it's by having this new coaching staff. And I'm thinking, like Vinny is, they're not too far. They think they're not too far from competing with the same core that they had last year. That's why the quiet confidence. That's why you only go out and get the players that they got. And usually when you hear White Sox in the offseason, you hear the, man, they finished second place for XYZ player. They finished second place for this other player. I think they targeted the players they wanted, and they actually got the players that they wanted. And you could say, you know, Benintendi or Clevenger is not satisfactory to you. That's fine. That's a different story. The story I'm telling, and I know people got mad at me when I said that the White Sox offseason isn't as bad as it is perceived. I think they had a plan. They executed their plan, mm-hmm. yeah. and now they're happy with their plan, and they're going to let this go. As we discuss in all Whoa. these previews, every one of these players, we discussed already with uh, Andrew Vaughn, injury, 2022, which is bad for everybody. We're going to discuss Tim, injuries, 2022, which is bad for everybody. Tomorrow, Yoan Mankata, injuries, 2022, which is bad for everybody. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking, this was just a fluke season. We don't need to fix a lot of things. I used the analogy before, the, the, road, the road runner and the coyote. They don't want to change too many things like the, road, like the coyote did. He changed his whole plan. He was this close away from getting the goddamn road runner, but he's like, oh, I'm going to change everything up, even, even though I was this close. All I need to do is tweak a little bit thing, and that fucking road runner's dead. Sorry, guys. And so that's what the White Sox did. They just tweaked it a little bit with Andrew Benintendi getting a top-notch left fielder. Hmm. Top notch so far. A good, yeah. above-average left fielder that actually plays left field. And Oscar Colas, they believe in to the hilt. And I'm sure they believe in Romy Gonzalez, but they don't believe that Romy Gonzalez is going to be the everyday second baseman right now. That's a competition. He can I be guarantee- a contributor. Exactly. Colas, they're giving him the job. I guarantee, even if he does have a mediocre uh, spring training, I think he's still the right fielder no matter what. He's still on the opening day roster. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, you might see more Gavin Sheets than you would expect at the moment, but, uh, yeah, I think I think he would have to struggle in order to go back to AAA. I think you're right. 
That's the feeling. That's the feeling I'm getting. It's not based yeah, on anything. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I think if I think I think if he doesn't win the job, I think it would be smart to just leave him at AAA. Because let him work and get as many reps no, as possible. But you can, but you we can still like, make the roster without winning the job. Maybe there is no true. the job. Maybe yeah, I mean, it's, all right, we're going to play every, a few times a week, and we're going to play Gavin a few times a week, and apparently Aloy's going to go out there a few times a week. So, you know, maybe it's timeshare. And, again, <laughs> that's not ideal. You would think that a, that they would have gone out this offseason and, and, you know, more emphatically addressed right field, and maybe they didn't have to. Maybe Oscar Colas does have that awesome spring, and he does win the job, and w- this is all just – speculation and uh, a discussion uh, from the past by the time we get to March. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there are uh, a few situations in this, the ways this can play out. And one of them is just, you're right, Herb, just he's one of the right fielders, not necessarily the right fielder. Uh, even with Vaughn seemingly winning and having the DH job in 2021, and then Aloy Jimenez opening up more opportunities, uh, Vaughn only played 16 of the 25 games in April of 2021 for the Sox. And I think that was one of my frustrations too, was like, I thought he was going to play like a lot more than that. Uh, And I think, I think the White Sox thought that too. And then Aloy went and got hurt. (laughs) uh, Well, no, no, no. I thought, I thought Vaughn was going to be featured more and then 16 out of the 25 games, especially with Aloy being injured. Uh, I'm saying like, I, I, to the Colas point, like what a week, but it was like a week before the season started. Like they, I'm not sure they knew he was ready to do that all the time yet. Yes. And I was just saying to your Colas point, like Colas, can make the roster just like Vaughn made the roster right. and still be a large part of this season just like Vaughn was in 2021. Um, yeah, No, I mean, so yeah, maybe he doesn't have to. But it, I, I think, too, like, if if they think Gavin Cheats is a better option in April in right field, then leave Colas in, in AAA. So that way he gets as many reps as possible. Like, you know, make him play every day in right field, and then hopefully he can make those adjustments against right-handers and left-handers. We saw the video that the White Sox put out today or yesterday on their YouTube where they're hitting in Mike Tozar's backyard. It's Romy Gonzalez and Oscar Colas, and Colas says, like, I have to be more selective, and that's what I'm working on, and that's something we've talked about this entire year is his biggest weakness. I think he had, like, a a 38% chase rate uh, in the minor leagues last year, even though the numbers look good. Um, you know, may, maybe he needs to go and work on that and prove that and, and he'll be a May call up. But um, again, I think that is if he has a bad uh, spring training. Uh, you brought up Leary. Yeah. I mean, why? He's you want to give me a heart attack? He's literally on the team. And I keep on bringing the point up. You guys keep on saying, yes, his perfect position is a fifth infielder, but he continues to start playoff games. He's only started, only missed one playoff game in the last, what, three years. So why, I know why we're counting him out because the guy, to us, is not a good player. And, yes, when he plays a lot, he gets exposed. But the White Sox have been so injured that Leary Garcia has had to play a lot. And then, you know, once uh, Tony got away, Miguel was like, yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm Leary Garcia. Um, and he was hurt, too, a little bit in that second <laughs> half. How, like any White Sox. How many uh, – if I asked you how many uh, – wh- where did Leary play more – Last year, was it the infield or the outfield? The outfield. You'd say outfield? I would say outfield. You got an answer? I would say the infield. The infield. Uh, 28 times in the outfield last year, 72 in the infield. 47 games at second base, 45 of them starts. uh, Almost 400 innings at second base for Leary Garcia Remember, Remember how how terrible a start Josh Harrison got off to. Mm -hmm. I mean, Josh Harrison over the back half of the season was fine. Over the front half of the season, or the, at least the first couple of months, he was just abysmal from a production standpoint. Well, and then, two, I think it was the KC game August 9th when Leary ended up uh, tweaking his knee 
during that game uh, in an at-bat, and then he just, like, and that was, like, late August, uh, and then we just kind of see his playing time drop off once Tony leaves and Miguel uh, takes over. Uh, It didn't really seem like Leary ever recovered uh, from playing. He was banged up all year. Right. Um, So I I do wonder, too, like, does that make him uh, less reliable to play the infield? I mean, I don't know what his legs are like coming into this year. Does it make it easier or harder to play the outfield? Um, I, I do wonder what's going to be Leary's pl- position. Uh, do you think he plays more at second or short? Or a second or, or – do you, sorry, do you think Leary plays more at the infield or outfield? Infield, it's more, uh, you know, question mark in the infield right there. With the multiple injuries in the left side of the infield with Mankata and Tim Anderson, their history, and then the uncertainty at second base. I'm sure a veteran uh, will see Leary Garcia and say, you know what? Larry can give me a quality effort at second base. Maybe the bat won't be anything spectacular, but if Romy Gonzalez and or Lenin Sosa or Hander Roberto don't light it up initially, just like Josh Harrison didn't, Larry's a solid guy to go to sparingly. The problem is when you're starting him for 400 innings, then you see the real Larry Garcia. He's really good when you have him in the spots where he can be good for the team, like pinch hitting, base running, uh, fielding. Things like that, he's good, especially on the infield. The outfield defense, not too great for me. It's been forever, though, since we've seen Larry able to play that kind of position. I mean, I feel like at the end of every season, for as long as you can remember almost, it's been Rick Hahn saying, well, Larry would be, you know, is great, obviously best suited for the position you described, for, for that utility role, and yet... When was the last time he was actually able to play that kind of a role? Because he, because of the injuries that have happened, you know, be they uh, huge like they have been the last two years in 21 and 22, or even just, uh, you know, regular, like, you know, when Tim Anderson uh, uh, rolls his ankle in at Fenway Park or something like that, uh, you know, Yoan Moncada is, is, is going through something and is on the IL, even just for a kind of normal amount of time, if you want to put normal in quotes, you know, it seems like Leori is constantly being shoved in to a role that he has not been best suited for, and that is kind of probably why the A, the results are what they are, and B, why the fan opinion is what it is because of those results, because of, you know, he can go down the line. He yeah. should, I mean, we know that he's going to be on the Hall of Fame ballot uh, whenever he retires already, <laughs> um, but I think this is truly uh, remarkable looking at this uh, way that, the outfield and infield has been split up for Leary. So 140 games he played in 2019, um, and he had most of those appearances in the outfield. Uh, I believe only 22 appearances in the infield uh, in 2019. Then in 2021, another full season, it was kind of split. Uh, 86 appearances in the outfield, 66 appearances in the infield. And then last year, obviously, the drastic shift of 72 to 28 uh, infield to outfield. So basically, he's gone from... Uh, 2019, major, um, uh, largely an outfielder. Uh, 2022, most or 2021, mostly a utility guy playing infield and outfield at a basically even even level. And then last year being mostly an infielder. So I mean, like he is just been thrown around every single part of the time. Well, and 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 starting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like forced to start at all of those places on a regular basis. I mean, we remember back to when Tony La Russa uh, told me he hated me because. Uh, because I called Leori a utility player. I mean, listen, that's what Leori is. He's a utility player, but 
Tony's point was that he's a starter that plays yeah. everywhere. That is sadly what has been true, right? I mean, like yeah. it's not it's not any fault of Laori's. It's it's that he has been pressed in to that role. Yeah, he has moved all over the diamond, but he's been starting in those positions where he should be a reserve, a bench player who can come off and and like you said, Herb, give you what you need in in very specific situations. The man that hated you, quote unquote, hated quote you, unquote, hated quote unquote, hated you, not not actually hated you, um, who thought he was a starter. Once he left, that starter only started four games. So I just yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying that I don't know. You're right. I think that man had a very high opinion of Leary Garcia, possibly a little bit too high. Other folks have had a similar, similarly high opinion. Ricky Renneria loved Leary Garcia. And I love like, Ricky Renneria. I'm a, I'm a Ricky guy. Um, you guys ever watch Ink Master? No. Is this a show about squid? Uh, no, it's a Spike TV show. Oh, it's, okay. uh, it's, uh, it's about... Spike uh, TV it's still a, a thing? Uh, well, it's uh, Paramount. Uh, I, oh. we got, we, I forget. We wanted to watch a movie. So uh, this has so nothing to do with squid. It, it's about tattoos. Uh, tattoos. Okay. Mm. Um, tattoo competition, basically. Gotcha. Um, and I, I was going to just... I, I feel like, you know, Leary's a legend. I'm not going to make it, though. Uh, Are I was going to put a tattoo on yourself of Larry the Legend? I don't know. I mean, we, we shaved our heads. I don't know. Should we? No. Okay. Hair grows back, Sean. Uh, no. he, he might be a Hall of Famer. Uh, let's take a quick He's break. He's got a Hall of Famer at his house. Before I do something stupid, uh, we got to let you know about FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side. Ooh, Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything. Thing in between, get decked out like Demar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. Foco, that's F O C O. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, Foco's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out Foco.com or check the link in the description below for all nine presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Also, got to let you know about Game Time. Our, I don't know, I can't play favorites, but they're they're just. I feel like we get so many people being like. Game time, game time, game time, we game get, time. We do get a lot of comments about game time. Uh, our guy Marcos always popping in, being like, "Hey guys, great weekend! You know, I spent it using uh, using my weekend uh, going somewhere with uh, game time." Went uh, last night to the game via game time. There you go with Rick Camp. How, how, how's my man? Rick Camp's awesome. He's the always best. awesome in the biz. And the, and the Bulls won by big time because the Spurs are terrible. Apparently, just I can't believe the pop's still there. It's a terrible outfit out there. Well, they got nobody, but I think they're tanking. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. So yeah, for that Victor, whatever. Uh, when, when change your name, Wembenyaba. Thank that you. Guy. Uh, Thank uh, you, Kevin. This is a baseball podcast. I don't need to say that last name. Uh, <laughs> game time is the hottest new ticket site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on the tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, fifty-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it is possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on tickets to Bulls or Blackhawks tickets. Uh, you could be like Herb, checking out the Bulls. Uh, you could be like uh, our guy Marcos, who I think uh, saw Alexander Ovechkin score his 800 goal at uh, the UC uh, when the Bulls and uh, the, the or the when the Blackhawks and the Capitals uh, faced off. The Bulls aren't going to be here for a while. Uh, next game at home is going to be on the 13th, but I think the Blackhawks are in town uh, after the All-Star break. They play today against the Ducks at 7.30. So check out Game Time. If you love CHGO, then you love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets to the link in the description. Join our 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Uh, we do have a super chat from our guy. Stefan Bardo. Stefan Bardo um, saying his Clevenger uh, jersey just came in. Um, hopefully that's not true. 
Uh, I mean, he has it. That's I mean, you can buy a Clevenger jersey. He probably bought it a long time ago. Can Did you? Before the, yeah, before the old uh, allegations came out. Did they ever even announce his jer- uh, jersey number? I think he's, uh, yeah, I think he is. I think he's still yeah, the same 52. number. Um, all right, best of luck with that. I mean, who's the, who's the 52 you can think of? Jose Contreras? Was Khalil he? Mack. Jose Contreras. Okay, clear. you can make a White Sox Khalil Mack jersey. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Um, I think Jose Contreras was. Uh, there's no you can't there's no M so you can't flip or W so you can't flip. If you're good at if you're good at sewing, you take off the fifty two, you flip it around and make it a twenty five. Yeah, control. There you go. Make it a Jim Tomey jersey. And the the or, or Vaughn. Yeah. In the the V in the Clevenger. Or Joe Borcher. Or, or Joe Borcher. Yeah. There you go. Um, now you're now the Connor's coming out in you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me Google the famous twenty five. Coming through. Yeah. Where's your Brett Myers thirty nine? Um, yeah. Uh, well, Ugh. again, the Connor Smith just being able to to pull off all those names and God, numbers. Um, bringing back bad memories. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, the Tim Anderson talk now. Uh, so let's flash his 2022 stats. I, I think most people know that 2022 was just an awful year for the White Sox all around. Uh, no different for Tim Anderson. He was an American League starting shortstop. I keep feeling like that was forgotten about. He was ranked ninth on MLB uh, Network's uh, top 10 shortstops uh, at the end of the year uh, rankings. What you pointing at? Well, how about that? He was an above average uh, offensive player. He was. Yeah, which he was. I probably would not have guessed. Uh, to be quite honest with you, that on-base percentage, very nice. Yeah, uh, 339 <laughs> uh, on-base percentage, uh, an average of 301. Uh, I feel like the average helps the on-base percentage a little bit Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah, usually that's the case. That's with TA, yeah. 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 Oh, the walk rate of four. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, but weighted runs created plus of uh, 110, an F4 or four. A four. What is it good for? Uh, oh, yeah, John Garland was 20, uh, 52 for a, a bit there. Uh, his four was two, so that is an average uh, major league season. Uh, but 351 plate appearances, six home runs, 25 RBIs, 50 runs, tw- uh, 13 stolen bases. Uh, it was a really successful year for the the Sox on the the bags. Um, but you know, Tim Anderson. I think the biggest thing that sticks out there again is 351 plate appearances. And the one thing that stuck out to me, we did the Steamer 600 projections that I did not bring back. Thankfully, yeah, I won't get mocked call. at. Yeah. Um, Tim Anderson has had 600 plate appearances in two seasons, 2018 and 2017. So it's been a very long time since he had 600-plus plate appearances. Injuries. Um, injuries. Injuries have, have plagued him, and it plagued him in 2022. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. I mean, that was an end-of-the-year injury, obviously, for Tim, but he had that. He had some stuff in the middle of the year, too, you know, more along the lines of a regular baseball thing. But um, the last few seasons, really, have been very injury-heavy for Tim. Uh, it was a central storyline in 2021 when he got injured in about August, I want to say. The Rays yeah. series? Yeah, and that Rays series, where, what, he had the big game-winning hit. And then, the, like the next day, he was he was off there or well, something like that. And but that was a uh, revenge for Kevin Cash not starting him, right, or playing <laughs> yeah, right. him at all in the yeah. All Star game. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, seriously, I mean, this is a, a guy who has proven himself. Herb, you say it all the time to be the the engine of this team, the most important player in the lineup, sitting up there at the top with what he does on the field, what he does off the field or at least outside the lines uh, in terms of firing up the dugout and, and, and being a leader uh, with this group as well as kind of the face of the franchise. Uh, uh, you know, they slapped his words on, on all the marketing uh, yep. uh, stuff. So, um, listen, Tim Anderson uh, 
had a tough year last year, but the the injuries have piled up over the last few years. If he can stay healthy, boy, we should just uh, get a drop of that, Kevin, that we can play every single time we talk about any one of these players. If he can stay healthy, uh, obviously (laughs) uh, the White Sox are going to be in a much better place, and he should be in a much better place than he was last year. Tim Anderson is Tim Anderson, and, and you brought it up, uh, Sean. You know, oh, we haven't seen him working with the new coaching staff. Why, you know, what's going on there? We talk about uh, uh, new voices coming in and t- giving these guys some pointers to tell the, to to fix uh, things that they haven't been doing very well. Tim Anderson doesn't really need fixing. He just needs to do his thing. I, I, I think, you know, you'll, you'll argue that's fine, but I think when Tim Anderson is on, he knows how to stay on. You just keep slapping that ball to right field. Uh, and you're going to be in prime scoring position or driving in runs for, uh, you know, on a very regular, regular basis. Again, he's the guy at the top. I think if you say who's the most important hitter in the White Sox lineup this year, even if Jose Abreu was still here, I would say Tim Anderson, especially because Jose Abreu is gone. Tim Anderson is the answer to that question even more so. Yeah, that was my one question was roll on the 2023 team, unless you got more on 2022, like – what is the role? Is it is it what Vinny said? I get more on twenty twenty two and what went wrong and what he can improve. Like the offensive numbers, as Vinny said, they're there. They're they're solid. And I think a full season there, he can improve all the rest of the stuff. The on base for a starting guy who's the leadoff hitter, to me, is a little low. If you're not gonna walk, that's gotta be up there when he was winning batting titles. Three thirty five on uh, slug or uh, average and then almost three sixty on base. His uh, walk percentage last year and the year before, 4%. I'm not asking for a lot. I'm just asking for a little bit more selectivity. As we were talking the other day about Andrew Vaughn, he's too passive, especially balls in the zone. Tim is way over uh, swinging. But like that's, he's, how uh, Tim, that's how Tim became that's how Tim. He, that's yeah. how he gets down, but yeah. it's 80% to 75 is the normal. I don't, I don't even need him to go from where he's at at 79% of swinging balls at the heart of the zone to league average. Just take it down a tick. Take it down a tick on each one of them. He overswings way too many times. But for his overswinging, he doesn't strike out a lot. So if you're going to be swinging this much, zone in a pitch. Zone in a spot. As Vinny says, they're pitching him to the outside of the zone. And Tim will gladly take those balls to right field. Sacrifice some power and hit it over there. And it's just so many times that you see Tim's like – like just struggling to get to the upper fastball. And I think uh, that's part of your thesis. Like he's working at driveline to eradicate that because we saw him get kicked out of that one game where he bumped into the umpire last year where the umpire called two high inside strikes. Tim was arguing those are not strikes. We saw the zone and the zone might be off. They're strikes. And so I think he went to this offseason and said, if they're going to keep on calling those, I can't keep going getting mad at it. I got to be able to hit those because they know I can cover the outside of the plate. Now they're coming into me like they do with Jose Abreu. I'm not taking too many hits by the pitch, so I need to take those balls that are in on my hands, anticipate them, and drive those, sorry, and drive those to left <laughs> field. And I know people are going to get on Tim Anderson for his defense, but majority of his there. Seven of his 12 errors happened in a six-game uh, stretch. Five versus the Guardians. No, I think seven versus the Guardians, a couple versus the Twins, and then the Tigers. He made nine of his 12 errors versus the Guardians specifically last year. So having fewer games versus the Guardians, Twins, um, Royals, and the Tigers 
will help him in that regard. And his defense, for the most part, after those bad April games, was negligible. It was pretty much a zero. He was fine. He ended up, I think, uh, with a negative two outs above average at second base his first negative year of that category since his like first full year of starting in 2017. I think Tim just needs to hone in on the things he does poorly while crafting the things he does well. Like, I think he's a, a above-average fielder. I think he's an above-average hitter, but I think he can take it to the next level, especially with the eyes of him, you know, when he's tweeting. He's like, oh, people out here making more money? People out here signing extensions? People out here signing big-time contracts as shortstops? I'm just as good as them. I would say you're not, but if you feel that way, <laughs> take that stuff to heart because Trey Turner's the same age as you are, and he's making much more money than you are right now. And I hope Tim is watching or listening to all the negativity that's going on this year because, as I said before, he thrives off that stuff, and he will have a better year this year because he's been falling off the table since 2019 offensively. He was at his peak year in 2019. 2020, I'm going to throw it out. It's only 60 games. 2021, also a good year. Last year, a good year. But if you look at the WOBA, you look at the rated runs created plus, all have uh, decreased since 2019, his apex of a year. And he played a lot of games that year. If he can get back to that year, which is not not a big stretch, just health for him. He can get there, and he can be that all-star starting shortstop again, and he can be an MVP caliber, caliber player like he was in 2020. Played more, uh, had more plate appearances in 2021 than he did in 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. 551 to 518, and same amount of games, 123. Um, but just at least to talk about the swinging percentage and, and you talking about being a little bit more uh, selective and you talking about that's how Tim became Tim. Uh, when Tim doesn't have a swing percentage above 55%, um, he doesn't have a weighted runs created plus above 110. Um, the only times he's had a swinging percent under 55%, 2018, 2017, 2016, weighted runs created plus of 98, 79, and 85. Um, I, I think it's, I don't know, I don't know where to go with, like, I, I think 2020 you can't throw out, because I think it's, it's a very, year. it's a short year, but I think he showed a very interesting profile. I mean, when you talked about the swings that he took in the heart of the zone, um, what really shows in 2019, 2021, and 2022 is that anything in the actual strike zone, Tim Anderson crushed, but he was willing to go out and make bad contact or swing and miss at pitches outside of the zone. But in 2020, he did a fantastic job of just keeping everything just about average. So, like, even you know, stuff out of the zone, he was able to turn into a positive or at least be able to negate it. Like he was just able to cover the plate very, very well. Um, Kevin, when you have those pictures, let me know. But I, I don't know, like the big thing for Tim in 2022 is his BABIP was down. And like, I think what driveline is, is going to hopefully help him do. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a sec is just create more exit velocity and get back to that part where he is hitting more balls that are just over infielders' heads and right in front of the outfielders, right? Uh, getting more consistent at-bats where we saw early in the season where we're like, do teams even have a scouting report on Tim Anderson? Like, yeah. here's a fastball outside heart of the plate. He's going to take it right into the right field for, you know, a, a line drive single. Um, like, I, I do think that, that Tim Anderson is still there. Um, and you look at the BABIP, 2019, 399. Uh, 2020, 383, 2021, 372, 2022, 
347. Um, so that can, it completely Can you explain fall. BABIP to our people, just uh, who don't know? A batting average on balls in play. Okay. Uh, and Tim Anderson being a person who is uh, a person who puts a ton of balls in play, uh, the swing percentage shows you that, the lack of a K rate shows you that, the lack of a walk rate uh, shows you that, or uh, sorry, not the lack of a, well, yeah, kind no. of the lack of a K rate. I mean, only a 15% K rate. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing Way too. Down. Like, I mean, he, he started striking out less. I mean, he had 6% less strikeouts last year. Yep. Um, so then he started just putting more balls into play by that fact, like Tim Anderson isn't really going to be, you know, walking. Um, he's just either going to be putting the ball into play, striking out, or um, walking. But, that, I mean, it's very rare. Like very rare. I, I would say that if you're not going to be that guy, you're not going to be the on-base guy, and you're not going to get to at least 350 on-base, you got to go down in the order. You have to. You can't have a person that's you? at 330. So you're going to put Tim, Tim – you're going to when, – when, when in the year would you move Tim Anderson off the leadoff spot? If it's not happening after the first two months. It's a meritocracy. You have to earn it. You just don't stay there just because you are. Herb, but here's the thing. You're talking about a baseball player, a, a, you know, faceless baseball player needs to have these numbers. Yeah. Tim Anderson needs to have Tim Anderson numbers and needs to do Tim Anderson things. Tim Anderson is the White Sox leadoff hitter. If you drop Tim Anderson in in the batting order, the the lineup is, is... I don't want to say broken, but it is changed, and it is probably changed for the worse because he is the guy who brings that energy, that stuff that you're not going to be able to quantify. Like I, I get what you're saying. I want you're saying I want you know in a vacuum my leadoff hitter. I don't care what his name is or what he looks like. I want my leadoff hitter to have these types of numbers. But you're not talking about in a vacuum. You're talking about a guy who has become when he's healthy. One of the drink, one of the uh, uh, best players or one of the best hitters in baseball because what he can do in terms of producing a high average, getting on base, showing an occasional power from the way he does things. And it was Tim Anderson who who developed this attitude change and developed this change in his game over that one offseason that turned him into a guy that's like, I'm going to go after every pitch that comes at me. I'm going to go after the pitcher. I'm going to take it to him. Being aggressive is what turned Tim Anderson into Tim Anderson, I think it is uh, not only unrealistic to expect him to move away from that in a dramatic manner that makes him more like your stereotypical leadoff guy just because to fit him in a certain box, um, it is also probably detrimental because you want him to be successful in the way that he's able to be successful. And what he's shown over the course of several years, including years the last couple of years when you're saying the numbers have dipped a bit, his, by being that aggressive hitter who's going to swing at everything and take those balls to right field, by doing that, he has become a guy who can be a successful leadoff man for the White Sox. Plus, you take in those things you can't measure that, that he does that, that few other people can do. He is the perfect leadoff man for this White Sox team. Not for any team in a vacuum or any team that doesn't have Tim Anderson, right? He is the perfect one for this team, and I think expecting him to change or asking him to change is probably ends up doing more harm than it does good in acquiring those certain skills that you're looking for from a stereotypical well, leadoff and, But I think also Real- that it's like you have to have progression. You have to, it's like, okay, I am this guy. What's the next move? How do I get from A to B? How do I improve my game? He doesn't have to be a different player. Like I said, he can just go back to the 2019 year where he's putting up good-ass numbers, 2020 year where he's putting up actual good numbers to getting on base 36% of the time. Those numbers are not unrealistic to ask for him. Not maybe 
uh, via the walk, but hitting more. If he hits more, if he hits almost 340, I can deal with his lower on base percentage. But a leadoff hitter, yes, Tim does set the table. He set the table by getting on base. Last year, he didn't get on base as much as a leadoff hitter should in the major leagues. And so run production for him and the whole team went down. It's on Tim. If he wants to put it on himself and he wants to be that guy, it's on him to establish back to what 2019 was. I'm on base. I'm stealing a couple of bags, especially with the, the lack of uh, throws over with the new rules. And I'm going to be setting the table for an offense. It's going to be much more dynamic than it was in the past because we're going to be more, more healthy. And I'm on base. That means we're going to be scoring much more runs. And our problem last year was scoring runs mostly because I was not on base. The first 40 games of 2022, Tim Anderson had an OPS of 896. Maybe. The White Sox had a record of 20 and 20. After Tim Anderson hit the IL in May and returned in June 20 and finished the season on August 6 with his finger injury. What was it again? Whatever it was. Yeah, it tore a ligament in his finger, I want to say. It was a specific Ouchie. name. Yeah. Yes. Um, in those 39 games, the White Sox record was 22 and 17. Tim Anderson, again, in the first 40 games, had an OPS of 896. In these this 39-game stretch where the White Sox went 22 and 17, Tim Anderson had a 576 OPS. Tim Anderson at the top of the order was horrible, and the White Sox won more games when he was horrible than not. I, I, I not a pretty small sample right. size. And not average, right. but, it's sa- but it is yeah. the same sample size, and I understand that it's, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's about the nine players, but Tim Anderson – is Tim Anderson. He sets the example. And I don't think Tim Anderson has any different attitude that's not going to, like, Tim Anderson knows he can't perform like that, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's Tim's going to push Tim. I feel like Tim is, is baseball's a weird sport. It's kind of an individual sport, but it's also a, a, a team sport. Um, I feel like Tim is kind of like a, a, a tennis player, and he just very is focused in on doing his job and doing his job of hitting. And I think that you know, we've seen how he takes slights before. I think that he's probably upset with the way that last year ended, not being able to finish out 2022. And he seems to be motivated by um, financial reasons. Like, I don't know. I I think that's a guy that can set an example. And I, I, we'll take a break here. Um, but I, I think for 2023, you talk about him being the most important hitter uh, for the White Sox. I think he has to be the most important hitter because if he's there for 600 games, like, that's what's most important for Tim Anderson. Like, if he has that health, I know he's going to be able to post because his body's going to allow him uh, to do that. But I, it felt like last year, dealing with the groin injury that put him on the IL late in May, and then obviously the the hand injury that knocked him out, Like I, I just think that he's probably extremely motivated to come out and give you another all-star year. I don't think he wants the, the accolades to stop coming. Like This is a guy that is extremely motivated, and he's like the last guy that I would question on this team now that Pito's gone. Mm-hmm. And bef- just before we go to the break, I think that he's going to have a good 2023, partly because he played so poorly versus the division last year. Like, they had the most games versus the other teams in the division, of course. This year, it's 12 each. And so, Tim Anderson versus the Guardians, 11 games, 645 OPS. The only team he had a positive, a really high uh, OPS plus or OPS against was the Tigers, but he only played four games versus them. He had 1,000 OPS. The other two teams, 10 games each, 580 versus the Twins and 725 versus the Royals. So fewer games with the teams inside the division who, you know, get to know you a little bit more, know where your weaknesses are a little bit more, I think will also benefit from him playing other teams around the league who haven't seen him. We'll be throwing them outside fastball thinking you can get him out of there. 
You mentioned the uh, incident with Nick Marley as well back on July 30th, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, I didn't actually have this in my thesis or whatever you <laughs> described it as. Yes. Um, but, Kevin, if you want to show that those uh, th- that weird uh, red and uh, yellow uh, I'm, graph there. I'm trying to get so. some stuff up Ecamm. Is, oh, you're, it's frozen. You're all good. I, it I look, can't it get It looked like graphics. you had it done, so I was going to go to it. We'll take a quick break now uh, and let you know about Goose Island. Vinny, how's the Goose Island? Jason oh, over there. Just splendid. Rocking the 312. The classic. Uh, CHGO. My mom support. calls it 312. 312. <laughs> CHGO supported by Goose Island Beer, uh, Chicago's beer <laughs> since 1988. Their beer roster includes the 312, the the Golden Wheat, uh, or Urban, Urban Wheat, wheat Ale, Ale, Urban Wheat Ale, uh, with the Goose on it. Uh, you have the Blackhawks Pale Ale, the limited release. You have the Bulls City 312, the limited release. Herb's holding the No Plans Tasty Time Pale Ale. That's got 5.6 um, AAV on it. It's also the Bourbon County Stout. You can find that at a four-pack at Benny's. You can find them in the uh, the Solos as well, at the Jewels still, if you're lucky. Drank the, a, uh, a Neon Beer Hug last got, night at the uh, game. It was a huge oh, uh, it's like tall a, boy, too. 19-ounce uh, drink. Delicious. Very nice. Seven, uh, 7% alcohol. Perfect for a, ba- a basketball game. They got the 9.9s as well mm-hmm. um, in the Beer Hug IPA series. You got the Green Line, the Matilda, the Sophies. Amazing, amazing beer choices from Goose Island. And their two local locations are open and ready to welcome you. So grab a beer from their innovative tanks at Goose Island's Tap Room at 1800 West Fulton. Or get a Smash Burger and Fresh Bur- Beer of the Week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations. Goose Island Beer Company. Um that's top of the lineup right there. I mean, who, who's who's setting the lineup then? If this is a Goose Island uh, batting order, who's who's your Ooh. Goose Island leadoff hitter? Old well, reliable. I think, you, I think you want consistency at the top, right? So you're going to have to go with the, you're going to have to go with three one two. Yeah, that's the TA of Goose Beers over here. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Bourbon County is either a three or four hitter. Yeah, that one's that one get you loaded. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice. <laughs> it's nice and smooth. Uh, very smooth. set off the, that, set off the fireworks hey, at the race. Mercy. That tasty time is uh, like an Oscar Colas. What new? The no, no, uh, no plans. New uh, uh, has a big time potential, and has a potential to hit forty home runs. That's my favorite beer of theirs. Mercy, um, yeah, I love it. I, I was just thinking maybe like you know Wade Bog. Well, Wade Boggs could probably yeah. pound like ten to fifteen uh, Bourbon County stouts. Hate, um, hate chicken every game. And drank 99 beers on that. That is the time. best Always Sunny episode, by the way. If you guys haven't <laughs> seen that. Yeah. What's all, drinking 70 beers What's on a cross-country sunny? flight. I'm kidding. I've seen it. Um, <laughs> it's a terrible show. So, Kevin, do we have that, uh, th- that or is it no? So, Ecamm okay. is just not letting me flash any graphics. Apologize. But we At saw all? it ourselves. Though. None. I, uh, oh, okay. I, know the, the I have them in there, but it won't pop up. So. All right. Um, Love technical difficulties. Oh, cool. Um, so, at least with your point on the Nick Marley stuff and the inside fastballs um, in 2020. And I know, again, it was a very minor year, um, but on inside fastballs, especially that would be the chest up. Uh, so the two zones, basically, you know, if, if there's four zones making up the strike zone, uh, the, 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 the top two, um, Tim swing percentage was a hundred percent and 93 percent jesus in 2021 it was about 60 percent in both of them and then last year is about 40 percent so i don't think he's seeing that pitch well enough or or there's definitely some issue with the up and in fastball that tim was struggling with in in 2022 so um there there was definitely that stuff that that you made me look into um and and that was there um so he he needs to stop bumping to umpires Two years in a row. Yes. Stop <laughs> it. They, they don't like it. <laughs> uh, no, they don't like it when you touch them. No. Uh, so I, I do want to go to some 
stuff for driveline. Uh, so we do know Tim Anderson back in November was in Seattle at the driveline facilities. Um, and the idea with driveline is trying to create more bat velocity. Um, it's the same with pitching and hitting. It's all about max effort, max velocity. Uh, and it's trying to take your mechanics and make it the easiest, most powerful, most efficient mechanics that you can have to create the most power. Um, Nolan Arenado has gone there uh, for the past two years. Uh, Lars Newtbar of the Cardinals as well has seen some fantastic results from driveline, and now we see Tim Anderson going there. And the assumption would be gaining velocity. Um, and I did want to see how it helped Nolan Arenado. And Arenado's run value versus the fastball by year will just go to 2019 to 2022. Nine positive nine run value against fastballs in 2019, minus two run value in 2020. Then he started going to driveline, positive three run value in 2021, positive 12 run value in 2022. Arenado had a massive year for the Cardinals last year. Nolan Arenado, good. Nolan Arenado, good. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Tim Anderson, also on Team USA, because good. Yeah. Um, 2019 run value versus fastball, negative one. 2020, that fantastic year. Positive six, 2021, another fantastic year. Positive five, last year, negative three run mm. value. So Tim Anderson obviously has been up and down his entire career against the fastball. I think it is possible that he's looking to gain consistency against that pitch, gain that bat speed that he know he can rely on to get to those pitches no matter where they are in the zone because we know Tim has fantastic play coverage. Uh, then going to Arenado's year-by-year changes, just looking at exit velocity and what the work is trying to do his max exit velocity has improved since 2020 in 2020 it was 108.9 2021 it was 110.6 and in 2022 it was 111.4 you're trying to gain as much uh velocity as possible you're trying to add distance um and what driveline has been able to study and this was specifically in Lars Newbar's study is that one mile of bat speed equals 1.2 miles per hour of exit velocity and that equates to about seven feet of diff distance uh five miles per hour of bat speed equals about six miles per hour of exit velocity which would then equal about 35 feet of di difference so uh you're basically if you're adding more uh bat speed you're just adding more distance and tim i think what he's struggled with is pull side home runs and pull side power in 2019 and 2020 he was pulling the ball down the line with massive success doubles home runs and in 2021 he saw a little bit more of a balanced approach going to all fields and i don't know if that was frank minichino directed or not we knew that he wanted to sh you know have the white Sox show power to all fields um but in 2022 tim was really lacking of power we see the iso being under one yep. um the slugging minus the average uh tim wasn't able to drive the ball a ton and he really wasn't pulling the ball a lot of his power was to left center field um and it really isn't a, a spot where you're a six one shortstop you want to be hitting um so i think tim's main work here at driveline is going to try to be adding bat speed and then trying to be able to turn on pitches so he's able to get back to driving the ball and i think where he's we're probably aiming for 20 home runs. We're probably trying to aim for where he was in 2019, uh, where he hit, I think, 19, yeah. uh, that, that campaign. Obviously, it's a different baseball, but I think Tim Anderson thinks that he can probably push himself a little bit harder. Um, at some of these driveline facilities, they talk about reaching a threshold for velocity and just having to push past it. Tim Anderson might be at a part where 
you know, right now he's at a certain level of being an athlete and he's just got to try to work and push past that. And we see work today on his Instagram, uh, still in the cages with, uh, a certain harness that I think is, uh, specified for core and rotation, um, still working on these drills. And I think this is a huge thing for Tim, trying to gain that bat speed and trying to add more power to the swing. There we go. Yeah, the sound of that bat crack always sounds great, especially in this February. Yeah, one of the guys muddling, fuck yeah, Tim. <laughs> He's very happy. I mean, this is the progression I'm talking about. Like, he can see his game maybe plateauing, seeing it or going down a little bit slightly where he was an all-star last year, the starting shortstop for the American League. But it's good to go and get some independent help from somebody else that can see your swing and improve it and get you more uh, at-bats and more hard-hit contact. We and Sean were going through the batted ball uh, profile. Fangrass has a batted ball profile where in 2021, Tim was hitting the ball hard hit contact. And they have three categories in the Fangrass, soft, medium, and hard. 33% in 2021. It went down to 27% in 2022. So I don't know how, where that power uh, drained from. I mean, we was dealing with a finger injury, a wrist injury where some of that power can come from. Your hands are the most important thing you have as a Major League Baseball player. So he's just trying to intensify and work on the things that he can do better, and that's good to see because he sees all these people passing him by. He sees Dansby Swanson, who was just a mostly glove-first guy his first couple years, turn into an offensive monster the last couple of years and sign a big-ass contract. I'm sure he looked at Dansby Swanson more than the other three who signed big-time free agent contracts this offseason saying, I'm more of him than I am of Bogarts, Turner, or Correa. I can get to there. If I can get to 25-plus home runs, which I think Dansby Swanson did the last two years, I'm going to get broke off real proper. So that's what I need to do. Five home runs is not Tim Anderson, even if it is under 100 games. That's not Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is more, what, 15 to 20 home runs. And I think he can hit 20 home runs this year, especially with the numbers I stated. No uh, amount of games versus the same people in the division that got your swing down and got your uh, your scouting report down. You get to open it up to teams like the Miami Marlins, the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, and the Cincinnati Reds a little bit more and get a couple more hits and home runs. I think Tim's in for a great year, and I'm glad you put those numbers out there because it does shine a light of what he's doing up there in driveline. And the Nolan Arenado thing really, really uh, gets me excited for that because if he's anywhere close to what Nolan Arenado did in that improvement, He's going to have a fantastic 2023. Well, and the other thing, too, barrel percentage, Tim was at about 10% uh, in 2020 and about a 7% uh, in 2021. Uh, in 2022, is around a 5%, and Arenado has seen increases over 2021 and 2022, uh, reaching a career high this year at 8.9%. So hopefully, again, making great contact with the barrel of the ball and having the you know, the bat being faster than it's ever been, you know, just sounds like good things, right? The bat, the bat's going faster. It's hitting the ball cleaner, you know, good things, hopefully for TA. Well, and here's the thing, obviously TA needs to, you know, get those numbers back to where they were over the last few years. I think he should be expected to hit over 20 home runs. If he doesn't hit, or if he doesn't hit 20 home runs, that's probably not him fulfilling his potential because he's a guy who should be able to do that. He has the power. He's shown it before. Um, but, but let's forget about all those numbers for a sec, because I think just like, if Tim Anderson has a, a very productive season, that's a huge deal for the White Sox. If Tim Anderson is Tim Anderson, the guy this season, that's a huge deal for the White Sox. Right. He doesn't need to only get back to getting some of those batting average numbers and those on-base percentage numbers up. He needs to get back to standing on the top step of the dugout and yelling at somebody over on second <laughs> base. He needs to get back to you know being the guy 
Lucas Giolito told me a couple summers ago, he couldn't envision him shutting up for more than, you know, five seconds at a time. You know, T.A. needs to be, you know, everybody uses the word leader and they expect a different thing for that, for that word to mean a different thing for, for every person who thinks about it. For Tim Anderson, being a leader means being energetic, means having that chip on your shoulder, being aggressive in your personality, being confident, not just aggressive at the plate with this, with swinging the bat, but aggressive with your personality. I think uh, when Tim Anderson is acting like Tim Anderson, that means things are going well for the White Sox. He was the most visible person last year that you could tell was not acting the same way because of the way the team was playing. And, and you know, you can say chicken or the egg, certainly. Uh, that was a question all year long from everybody who was chatting with us all season long. But I heard so often last year from the guys in the clubhouse, man, it's no fun to lose, and it's hard for us to get that, that attitude back, that swagger back if we can't put the wins together. If Tim Anderson goes out, hits like we know he can hit, and the White Sox start winning some games, then he's going to be the guy, Tim Anderson, who the White Sox need him to be. I'm not saying the White Sox, oh, they benefit from him or they, you know, they, uh, it's a nice thing that they have him being that guy. They need him to be that guy to, to bring an attitude to this team that gets back to they think they can beat anybody because Tim Anderson says that all the time. He, he talks about being the guy who, and it doesn't matter who's on the mound, he's going to beat them. And I think every person on that White Sox team had that attitude for a bit. They very clearly didn't have it last year. If they can get back to that with Tim Anderson driving the bus on that, then they're going to be in a much better place, and they're going to have a much easier time reaching that potential that everybody thought they were going to reach last year, and they very much didn't. They were fun in 2020 because of Tim Anderson. They were fun in 2021 because of Tim Anderson. They weren't fun in 2022 because Tim Anderson wasn't there for the last part of the year, and the team just completely fell off the train, and they were up and down without him in, in May and June. And I just, you know, him being back hopefully will make the White Sox more fun. We saw Billy Hamilton uh, be elevated to Billy the hitter because of Tim Anderson's uh, vibe and, and you know, his, his, his kind of uh, leadership uh, in that sort of way. Hopefully, uh, Pedro Grafal can bring some of that out, as uh, Jordan uh, is saying in the chat. Uh, you know, may maybe Pedro and, and Mike Tozar and, and the whole gang can – can create good vibes, and, and that'd be great for the White Sox all around. So, uh, Before we leave, I think the one thing that we have to state is that Tim is relatively young in his baseball career. Like, yeah, he's 29 years old as a human being, but he started playing baseball, what, in his junior year, of, mm -hmm. or resumed playing baseball in his junior year after a basketball injury. So, like, everybody else in the major leagues has pretty much played baseball since Little League and consistently. Tim is relatively young and playing baseball. It doesn't have the, the baseball wherewithal like everybody else has as a 29-year-old. And so he's trying different things. He's trying to improve himself, and I think he has a bunch of room to grow as opposed to other people where they're pretty much stuck in their position. I think Tim can be whoever he wants to be. If he wants to be a 25-plus home run hitter guy, he can be that, and he can sacrifice some of those strikeouts because, you said, the strikeout rate was really low last year. So I wouldn't mind a 20 25% strikeout rate if you're going to be knocking the ball over the fence 25 times a year. So I think he has so much room to grow because he is such a – uh, a baby in infancy of his baseball career, even though, you know, he'll probably be out of the league in 10 more years. But I think there's a lot of uh, incentive there. We saw with the growth from 2016 to 17, 18, then 19, from 18 to 19, day and night. So I think this, the guy can do it again. 
18 was pretty much a disappointing year. 19 is coming out party. I think most people would say that 2022 overall for the White Sox and for Tim Anderson, disappointing year, and he has something to prove this year. Yeah, I think the White Sox as a whole can just afford to strike out more. Uh, their best year uh, in the past three seasons uh, was with their highest strikeout rate in 2020. Um, and, yeah, it was 60 games, but 25% K rate and 111 weighted runs created plus with all those home runs. Like, you know, become a three true outcome team rather than, you know, let's not walk. Let's strike out less than we have in the past, you know, two seasons, and let's put more balls in play. Uh, that only works if you're fast, and the White Sox are, you know, a, a power team. So, you know, selling out for a bit more power uh, for not only TA might be, you know, an emphasis for a lot of these players. It should be good. It should be, and I hope Chris Johnson, who was a semi-powerful hitter in his time, is preaching that. Look for your pitch. Look for it in the zone and drive it. Do not miss it. Do not miss 2-0 fastballs. Do not miss 3-1 fastballs. Do not miss... Hanging sliders in the middle of the zone, which I think Tim missed a couple of them where it's like, ah, and look, not just Tim, and we're just talking about Tim today, but there's a lot of hanging pitches in the middle of the zone that, you know, you would see, and I would do my hawk impressions like, you just missed it, and they hit the <laughs> ball to, to mid-left field and such, and so uh, this is the year for mo many people to prove themselves, especially Tim Anderson, and as Vinny says, as everybody says, he's the one, he's the guy, he's the most important player on the White Sox offensively, I think to make this team go in 2023 all right that should do it for today's podcast uh, we do got to let you know for all those out there if you're not a diehard yet tomorrow at 8 p.m we're gonna have a chgo happy hour and it's the first white Sox one come hang out with us uh the link will be shared uh in discord but also if you go to all chgo you will be able to click uh, on the uh, diehard page and then there should be an event spot where you should be able to click on the zoom link uh, and join us there if you are a diehard, and it should be fun. It's kind of an open forum where you just get to chat with us for about an hour. You know, if you want to talk Tim Anderson and, you know, him selling out for power, I'll be it. But and if you're you know. not a diehard yet, you're listening to this, watching this, go to All CHGO right there on the uh, homepage. Click to be a diehard with us. You can join us in the Discord lounge, or you can join us tomorrow night for our special happy hour. We'll be drinking some delicious Goose Island. I'll be drinking a lot of it. Yeah. So you might get some stories out of me tomorrow, oh, guys. Mercy. All some right. It's only an hour long, Herman. Some nine and a half. <laughs> I might be drinking before, guys. Okay. Yes. So we, what. we get off at, what, uh, five tomorrow, and yep. then Herb is going to pregame the happy hour uh, with a couple happy hours. Three yeah. hours worth. Why not? There you go. Happy hours, plural. Yeah. Yeah. What's nine times two times three? I'm assuming you're going to be drinking nine percents. Oh, no. Uh, to it no. to an hour times three. I'm going to stay with the neon beer hugs at sevens. Herb's going to be at about, what? Uh, I, th I think 54% alcohol level uh, oh, wow. once the happy hour starts. My math is correct. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. Again, if you do want to become a diehard, go to allchgo.com all to level up your fandom. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber and find his work at allchgo.com. Uh, he has a brand new piece up with quotes from Justin Gershley, and it's all laid out very nicely, prospect by prospect. So if you want to read uh, about Colson Montgomery, Oscar Colas, Sean Burke, Jose Rodriguez, it's all there for you at allchgo.com. That's Herb Lawrence. Yeah. Follow, are you about to say hello again? Uh, I, it's like a parrot. Yeah. You can follow <laughs> him on Twitter at actorall 23 He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank like you to Pavlovian's dog. <laughs> Thank you to Kevin Wells for producing this show. And uh, hit the like button on your way out. It does mean a ton to us. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another CHGO Live White Sox podcast.